to Show Me Your Mic, the podcast about podcasting, where we talk to other podcasters about their podcasts. And you can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM or on Twitter at SMYM underscore FM. I'm your host, Chris Enns. And for this episode, I've got part two of my conversation with Lindsay Patterson of the Tumble Podcast. And in this episode, we actually talk about the Tumble Podcast. Last episode, we talked a bunch about podcasting and platforms and where it's going and where it's been and where it should go. But this time we're talking about her podcast, which is a podcast for kids explaining science and fun science stuff in a fun way to kids. So enjoy my conversation with Lindsay. Thanks to our sponsor of this episode, Feed Press. More about that a little later on in the show. For now, enjoy the conversation with Lindsay. Tell me about Tumble. It's uh, the Tumble podcast, um, also known affectionately as Tumble, and it is a science podcast for kids. And so it's it's hosted by myself and my husband, Marshall, who's a middle school teacher, and it's aimed at kids between the ages of 8 and 12 years old. So uh, it is interviews with scientists shaped into stories, and we really focus on the moment of science discovery and aim to tell, aim to explain how science works versus just like, here's a bunch of interesting facts. I really believe that uh, a part of what we're missing in the, in science education is coming out with a full understanding of how science works and that that's really handicapping our society. Yeah, it's a it's a great sounding show. It's it's uh, produced. I guess that's sort of the thing we're using now, as if no shows were produced before. <laughs> but in terms of like uh, a bit more edited, like I love the sort of interplay between you and your husband and comments and and I'm curious how you uh, go about putting an episode together because it feels like. It's kind of like uh, for me when I, d- I do a lot of these kind of shows where it's just live to tape, so to speak, and we kind of dialogue and I have notes, but it doesn't, I'm not going back and editing scripts and stuff for it. And so when I listen to a show like yours or other shows in the past, like the lower podcast and stuff that guests I've had on, it feels a bit like when I, as a musician, I listen to like a Radiohead song or something. I'm like, how the heck did they even begin to like put this all together? And I can't fathom, not that it's so complicated, I know, but it just, you know, like piecing it all together. So what's the process for you of putting together an episode of the Tumble podcast? Um, Well, first it begins with finding the guest and finding a good topic. And right now it's basically finding people who work in subjects that kids would be interested in. Like we've had, uh, we've had episodes about supernovae. We've had, um, you know, salamanders, reptiles, gross stuff about the brain um let me see giant toads taking over australia like the, we like the first thing is like our kids going to be into this and then finding a guest um a scientist or science communicator who can speak well about the topic and might have a really interesting story that they want to share so then i pre-interview that guest and like find the story kind of shape it um, and figure out, you know, how does this have a beginning, middle, and an end? And also illustrate basic tenets, basic facts about how science works. Um, what's the process that takes place in that science 
in the story that leads to discovery that might be a, a little bit unexpected for kids. And then I interview them. I write the scripts. I cut the tape, record tracks, score it, and uh, have people... Hopefully there's some editing that goes on in the middle of that <laughs> and, and then put it out there. So, you know, it's it's a young podcast. We've had six episodes and we're about to start start producing our second season. We're going to be a monthly podcast right now because this is very much a side project and each uh, podcast takes, each episode takes a lot of production. So uh, we are just sort of putting it out there and hoping for feedback now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's where, I mean, you're, you're well, because it's posted on SoundCloud, you can see, you know, hundreds of downloads per episode or plays, I guess, plays, streams, downloads, whatever through SoundCloud and stuff. And that's awesome. That's like for a new show, just getting out there. That's, I remember my, my first few shows were like 10 downloads or whatever. So it's, it's great start. And then you've kind of glossed over like the whole process uh, in terms of, just, you know, writing a script is just a checkbox, but how long does it oh, actually no, take Oh, no, that you? is a very, that's yeah. very hard. That's very hard. <laughs> how long does it actually take you, do you think, roughly from, like, from pre-interview to published in terms of time spent on, on producing an episode? We're going for a monthly cycle, so four weeks, basically. Um, and that's because, as I mentioned, it's a side project. Uh, it, it's something that I do in the evenings and during nap times. I have a one-and-a-half-year-old, so it really cuts down yeah. on the amount of time that I can spend working outside of work. Um, but it is a really long process, and this first season has, a bit, has been about really finding that format for a story that works for us and also really nails the fact that science is an evolving process. Like, how do we show that as well as, you know, this is the story and this is what we've learned. Um, but the really, really important part of our message is that, you know, this isn't, nothing is written down in stone. Like, this is not about, here are cool facts about why giraffes have such a long neck, you know? Maybe we'll do a show about giraffes, but it's not about, like, they evolve to reach more trees. Like, it's like, how do we know that? So we've, a big process for us has been understanding how to tell that story and really, uh, in, a, in a fun and unassuming way, get at the process of science. Right. Yeah, and that's what I think it's great, whether kid or otherwise, it's still an interesting show to have in your queue. It's each episode so far anyways has been you know under just under 15 minutes which i think is a nice sweet spot for taking in a bunch of information in a fun way without feeling like you're gonna be sit, like sitting there for an hour and trying to take it all in and you know likely get distracted or go off and do something else or whatever and have to come back to it or something um much like maybe this episode of, of the podcast where we've gone on a little longer but i hope you'll stick with us the the um the fun thing i guess and what i was getting at too with your scripting and stuff and where you have your interplay of like you and your husband sort of asking each other questions of walking this process along and why it becomes a little more interesting than just sort of what someone might think is like uh scientist a explaining theory and then and sort of a dry read on whatever it might be the 
mystery of the exploding star that you the most recent episode as we record or whatever and that you incorporate a bit of that sort of dialogue which is i'm guessing comes a bit from your background in public radio and sort of producing some shows like or audio content anyways like that um but how did yeah. you sort of land on on a bit of the voice and i know you mentioned you're sort of still finding that voice for the show but um how did you sort of settle on doing something like that style well i did want to have it be a mix of public like public radio production values and the sort of more casual podcast conversation like we're having right now. And on top of that, like a few things about uh, how reaching kids is unique. I've really felt like there needed to be a dialogue that somebody there could say, like, why is that? Like, let's, you know, that's cool, but I don't understand this other aspect of like what the scientist just said. It's a way to help unpack what's in the science, take more time rather than having it be a reporterly style of this person says this, I say this, you know, it, that's not as engaging. And people really do like the interplay um, between myself and my husband and, you know, being able to have more fun with it, having, being able to have more jokes, um, in that response, it's, it's something that's really hard to do on your own unless you're really funny. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where, that's the part, the part that's like interesting to me as a producer of this kind of stuff is the, that sort of scripting and how much of that is scripted and versus ad-libbed as you guys are going along. And like, so do you come with your, yeah, that's a really interesting point because, um, my husband is not a radio producer or, you know, radio talent. <laughs> so it's, it's been a combination of me scripting things and then figuring out how to give him the opportunity to naturally be him um, while also having to work towards the tape that we have, the story that we know we have. We can't ramble as much as, you know, somebody producing, for example, an hour long show is like we have a place that we have to get to. We have to keep the story relatively tight because it does need to be short. And um, our kind of rule for that is like, how long does it take a parent to get their kid to school in the morning? <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's the kind of that's the kind of length that they're looking for. So it, finding that balance has been one of the biggest challenges. Um, and I think the more that we practice with it, the more that we'll find the happy medium of uh, being able to ad lib and make it sound really casual. But if you think about, you know, Radio Lab, of course, like is an inspiration for us. And to have the interplay that the two hosts of Radio Radio Lab have takes a lot of practice. And even though everything they say it sounds ad libbed, there are zillions upon zillions of takes. <laughs> Maybe an exaggeration, zillions, <laughs> but. Um, but there's a lot of editing that goes into that. It's not coming off the cuff and because they know that they're driving towards a very, very finely crafted story. Um, we want to be a little bit more extemporaneous than that. So, you know, I feel like we're sort of paving our own way there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a, it's a bit of that like um, sort of rehearsed spontaneity too that you kind of practice spontaneity or whatever where it sounds that, that i know like bands I, I like i'm a fan of you too and that's something that they've often sort of 
done with their live performance. And it's kind of like those spinal tap moments of like, wow, we were driving down the street, remember, whatever, but like, and making the audience feel like it's a genuine, original moment, authentic moment when actually it's been rehearsed and planned for that. Oh, I think exactly like any comedian would be very expert at that. Like, mm-hmm. they, oh, it's like, I just showed up here and like a weird thing happened to me last week. It's like, you've done this show hundreds of times in hundreds of different cities like yeah. <laughs> this is not just something that you're coming up with even though you look like you're being really thoughtful about your reaction yeah. um so you know it, that is definitely something that takes a lot of work to develop it's been done so we're hoping to create that in our own format yeah and it's it comes off great and and uh i commend you on and trying to just push the medium in forward but also just taking a time to do it right and not just because i know the i fall back on the the fun of just like getting that episode out there and like it would be it's just like once it's recorded i just want to get it out there i don't want to bother with even editing because like i want to get it out there and get the response to the thing that we just did or talked about or created or whatever and uh taking the time to sort of craft it and um and make it right and edit and re-record and stuff like that is is a can be a challenge but um definitely shows in terms of what your final product is is like product sounds like a bad <laughs> final episode but yeah. well i really appreciate you saying that because i i think that a lot of podcasters deal with you know do i get this out there on a schedule or do i spend a little bit more time on it and it being our first season and the fact that we have a relatively small audience but what we what we do have really likes what we're doing. Um, it it made more sense for me to take the time to create the thing that I really, really wanted to put out there versus getting it in um, for the somewhat, at this point, arbitrary notion of publishing consistently. Um, we put our first three episodes out at the same time, and then I wanted to do... Uh, every two weeks because like that's a you know you want content more often than a month but I really drove myself crazy trying to put it out there that quickly uh, especially because those episodes weren't produced yet so I had to scramble you know sort of pigeonhole my guests into you know we have to do this tonight (laughs) and and, you know staying up really late on weekends like this has to go out on Monday and it just it just wasn't worth it at this point. So that's why we decided, and I should mention that I'm working with another producer named Sarah Lentz, who's going to be helping a lot more in uh, creating an even better show. But we decided together that monthly publishing is the best that we can do right now, um, not having any sort of funding to make this part of our day jobs. So yeah, definitely. And that's, I think just, yeah, the realities of doing, of doing this and getting started and, and like circling all the way back around to what we started originally talking about how difficult it is to get monetization in place or, or, or even a plan for that ahead of time before you've got the 10,000 downloads or whatever per episode that companies want to see before they'll fund stuff. And I think what's interesting about your show in particular is, um, is that it's relatively timeless, right? Like they, the there's stuff about the giant toad that will be discovered again, maybe in the future. But the story you're telling is kind of that story that is there, and so right, exactly. It's like those that giant toad story is going to evolve. Like giant toads are taking over Australia, and I, you know, in writing up the blog post, I took like just a quick news Google search of you know cane toad. 
And there were tons of very recently published articles on what people are doing to prevent the cane toad spread, trying to eradicate them. Cane toads, you know, high, you know, cast away in trains and, you know, hopefully there's no more coming or no more that we didn't see. Like there, it's ongoing. Um, another one, I did a search for exoplanets and my guest just informed me that they might be demoting what they thought was the first uh, photographed planet into a non-planet. So it's getting Plutoed. So I really <laughs> want to go back and and cover those again. And really, you know, I think that that really drives home the point of science being an evolving process. But you're right. We're not looking for, oh, what came out last week about mm-hmm. science. It's it, We're really going for the strength of the story and stories that people are passionate about, um, stories about people's own research or historical science, uh, just to show what is beyond the headlines. Because mm. the headlines don't really give you that much, and we don't really understand how to interpret them. So, <laughs> yeah, no, and that's good. That's a, that's great. I think that's a, what you've got. Like, especially when you're putting such a like it's not like you're you are at the radio lab or radio all those company levels where they've got you know teams of people now doing research and helping with script writing and stuff and and that's your full-time gig like you're obviously you have family and, <laughs> and jobs and paying bills and the stuff on, on the side that you can't just devote into this and so a monthly monthly schedule of, of sorts is a great thing to yeah to do, yeah and, kind of thing. and that for example, Criminal, which just uh, joined the Radiotopia network this past year, was publishing monthly and gained quite a following that way. Um, and the Memory Palace, also a new Radiotopia member, published so inconsistently for years, but people loved it. People wanted more, but people stayed with it until the producer was able to make it a full-time gig. And I think that that is sort of the luxury in podcasting. Like we don't, we don't have to subscribe to any particular schedule. Like we can take the time to make it what we want before we start treating it like an actual business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For every rule that is out there from podcasting business, uh, whatever I'll say, I won't say night. Not a nice words, but podcast business advisor people out there on the web who tell you you have to do this for success. There's a ton of other anecdotal evidence to the contrary, and so um, yeah, we're yeah. really focusing on the process of creation um, before we look to how can we create listenership. But at the same time, I don't want to pretend that I'm not uh, thinking of how this can be funded and become more a part of you know, the work that I am able to do to pay the bills. Uh, You know, it's from the beginning, it's how do I get guests that will help and, you know, spread the word to their fans, which may be the audience that I'm looking for too. And I, I want to mention that I think that there's such a huge opportunity in being one of the first educational kids podcasts. If you think about it, there's really not a lot out there. Um, there's another science podcast for kids called Brains On, but in my, uh, I've spent a lot of time in this area so far, done a lot of research. Like that's all there is. 
there's one other science podcast for kids. And so to me, that represents a huge area for growth, whereas a lot of people might already be thinking that podcasting is a really crowded field. Everybody listens to the podcast that they're going to listen to. Like, that is just, you know, overall that that's not true, but it's especially not true for podcasts for kids. Um, The people who are listening, the parents who are listening to podcasts want to listen to podcasts that their kids can listen to now. And right now, they have a lot of problems discovering that content. Because number one, it doesn't exist. And number two, (laughs) even if stuff is uh, appropriate for kids, it's not labeled as such. And there are a lot of podcasts that are you know, great for grownups. And it's not to say that they have inappropriate content, but there's swearing, there's discussions of things that, you know, you just don't want your kids to be listening to at a young age. So um, I think that there's so much opportunity for growth and especially in science. Yeah, for sure. And and often like there's a lot of stuff for family, like there's a ton of, you know, whether mommy, daddy, whatever blogs and, and podcasts and, and sort of like how to raise a family stuff, but that's not what you want to necessarily listen to with your kids. It's, uh, I have a eight, five and two year old, like I, I'm not going to necessarily listen to that stuff with them, but yeah, to have a, a podcast like yours and, and this brains on one looks great too. Like the, where you can listen to it in the car on a trip, have a bunch of episodes queued up on a road trip or something like that and be able to then talk about it after the episode is done and they, they'll, they'll happily listen and, and then discuss and ask questions. And, and then that's when you can send in the questions to Lindsay and say, Hey, how did, <laughs> what about this? My son asked about this or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And we were talking about audience engagement and getting feedback earlier. And my way around this problem has been to hold listening parties for kids where I can watch kids listen to the podcasts and ask them questions afterwards. So like going extremely analog with this uh, audience engagement. But I have found what we have seen is that kids really do get curious after listening to the show. And they had questions that I could never even have expected that they would wonder about. And after we listened to the show, in one case, like they just all, it ended with a message about going out and observing your own backyard, you know, seeing what's different um, and asking questions about why things are. And they ran straight into the backyard, found a dead wasp and were just like, why did this wasp die? And I had like the craziest, most creative theories. And it was just, it was really wonderful. Number one to like watch the podcast work. Like this was like number one desired result of the podcast. And also to just see how unlimited their curiosity is about science at that age. I think that we grow up and we think, oh, that's weird, but people must already know that. Or, oh, you know, this is interesting to me, but I'm not going to find out the answer because like, I'm not the person who finds out the answers to this sort of thing. I think at a younger age, we're very much more open to taking more time to explore mysteries and having fun with it and not seeing ourselves as uh, not being good enough to, or not being smart enough to try and answer those questions or even ask those questions. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I think that's an interesting idea too, of like what you just said about uh, analog <laughs> listening party, as it were, taking your podcast maybe out of your basement office or wherever you happen to record and actually going into the real world with it. And whatever, it definitely would be fun with kids for sure in what you're doing, but also in other folks like to, it would be nerve wracking for me. I couldn't imagine doing it, but like where you'd play it and actually get to see people's response to that, your podcast. Oh yeah. I I had to like look at the floor the whole time, but <laughs> I only heard the flaws. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but fortunately I had my other producer there and she was brave enough to look at kids and actually yeah. observe what they were doing. It would so. be a neat follow-up somehow. I don't know how you do this and there'd be, you know, maybe legal issues or whatever, but like to have a follow-up episode somehow to one of your podcasts where you would actually get audio from kids who listen to it and that could spur on further because i could see my i'm just thinking my own my one son would might not verbalize a question but he'd hear someone else ask a question then be like oh yeah that's what i'm wondering too is that like he wouldn't necessarily spell it out himself as to why the wasp died or whatever the story was but hearing other kids ask those questions um anyways that yeah, yeah kids did at- say that they wanted to hear kids on the show. Um, and that's a question that I get asked by adults. It's like, why aren't there kids on your show? Um, to have a kid, and Brains On does do this, so go listen to Brains On if that's something that you definitely want to hear and you sh- should listen to it anyway. Um, but it's just really hard for me to produce a show with a kid. I don't have a kid in house and uh, <laughs> well, you do. schedule He's with not, other people. Yeah. He's not talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's really just hard to produce that kind of show. It takes even more work than the work that we're doing now. Yeah. So, but one of the things that we can do, like you said, is recording Google voices, getting feedback from kids, having kids ans- ask questions about the last show, helping us answer them. And asking, you know, saying, I want to hear about this. And then we answer those questions too. So, but again, that that is being able to reach out and motivate people to take the step after they've listened to the show to send that kind of voice memo to us. Yeah. Which again is until you have that to, it's almost like you need to plant, have plants. And- yeah, we would, we could, we could do it now. You would just have to be like, you ask a question. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. I just want to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode. Very happy to have them on board and supporting good stuff. That's FeedPress. Feed.press slash SMYM is where you can go. FeedPress is a simple, intuitive, and powerful RSS analytics and podcast hosting platform. Featuring powerful subscriber and podcast download tracking, integrated newsletters, automated publishing to popular social networks such as Twitter and Facebook, a slick drag-and-drop podcast hosting interface, and everything you need in order to submit an optimized feed to iTunes. With 250 megabytes of flexible file storage that rolls over monthly, you can easily upload four episodes per month. Upgrading your storage is easy and affordable, starting at a flat rate of just $20 for one gigabyte. They also have an awesome service called Valet Migration, which we've taken advantage of here at Good Stuff. Let's face it, you've probably thought about moving from the aging feed burner or other hosts maybe. FeedPress offers an automatic migration tool so you can make that transition with ease. Answer a few simple questions and the rest is taken care of for you. Your feeds and subscriber data will be transitioned into your FeedPress account, leaving you free to do and focus on what you do best, making content. The perfect time is now to have all your analytics and podcast hosting in a beautiful and unified dashboard. Support is responsive and available seven days a week via email. FeedPress now serves more than 30 million requests per month and is trusted by many popular blogs and podcasting networks such as ESN, Mule Radio, Unprofessional, The New Disruptors, Beautiful Pixels, Inessential, Macgasm, The Brooks Review, 512 Pixels, and of course, The Good Stuff Network. 
Sign up today and try FreePress on a 14-day trial with no contracts or commitments. Be sure to use promo code SMYM when you visit fee.press slash SMYM and get 10% off your first year. Our thanks to FeedPress for supporting good stuff. Now back to the show. Um, okay, so in terms of uh, some of the gear and stuff that you record with, what are you using these days to produce the show in terms of the real-world audio gear that you use? It's a really simple setup. Um, I use Audition right now, but we might be switching over to Pro Tools. Um, it's just more of an accepted medium. And I also do freelance production, so that's really what the public radio world uses. Um, but I like Audition. And we, when we started, I was recording onto my field recorder, which was a Marantz PMD 661. Um, and we just recently got the Zoom TAC2 audio interface. So that has changed things. So we can actually see the waveforms as we record. And let's see, I just have two mics. <laughs> One that I got from my first radio job, I think, is a discontinued um, audio technica but to be honest I could never remember exactly what the model number is <laughs> <laughs> that's fine yeah it's okay that's what I think is great and I think in this industry with podcasts like not everybody has to be uh, that's what's definitely come in the last year or two is like not everybody has to be an audio nerd to enjoy creating podcasts like just like you were saying with your having a producer and I think of people like going to their friends who have no interest in mics or faders or EQ, but would love to tell a story and like where you could produce stuff with them and they're just your on-air talent maybe or whatever, or somebody who wants to just research stuff for you and help script writing because they're into drama or whatever, but they don't have any interest in being on-air or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. It's, yeah, the, the potential, I guess, is to get out of the sort of box of being a solo person all the time, which I fall into uh, often and, and looking around you. Yeah, yeah. And I have done research because I, I've helped other people get set up with podcasting. It's just I never remember if uh, the microphone is like dynamic cardioid. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just um, do I do use the website Transom and they had a mic shootout, which provided a lot. It, they had sound clips for every single microphone that they tried from, you know, the $65 model to, uh, you know, thousands of dollars and had sample clips. So I just went to like, oh, this was a good price point. This sounds good. And it, it came out really good. That podcast sounds good. Um, with the mic that I'm using now, I I did a reporting trip to New York and I realized that I forgot my mic at home. So I just went to B&H. <laughs> and, <All right. laughs> and the guy was like, this is, this is the public media workhorse. So that's what I have right now. And do you know which one that is? Or that's when you weren't sure? It's an EV something. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can uh, provide more details <laughs> later. <laughs> that's fine. Definitely. And and then you're using, like I said, SoundCloud sort of publishing and uh, your website is on what? Squarespace or WordPress yeah, or something? Squarespace. Yeah. I totally, you know, heard too many podcast ads <laughs> about drag and drop functionality. I don't love it. It doesn't do, it doesn't do a lot of good for me. Um, but this is what we have right now. Yeah. I think that's where, um, I'm sure for a lot of, yeah, we won't get into Squarespace sponsorships and whether the paid endorsements are <laughs> sometimes yeah, a little bit too excited. 
Squarespace ever wants to sponsor my <laughs> podcast, they never hear this. <laughs> Very deep in the episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I'm thinking I might split this into two episodes actually, because it would be good to maybe to have sort of the the discussion about podcasting and the discussion about your podcast. Maybe as two separate shows. Yeah. And, and I need an episode actually because we're gone next week for a bit, so it would work well, out well. I'm, Glad to be on the show twice in a row. Yeah, there you go. More, <laughs> more Google juice for whatever good stuff can provide. Um, the other, the last thing we'll cover, I guess, is the podcasts and stuff that you listen to and, and what apps you use yourself. So what are some of the, the shows that and you've mentioned a few sort of throughout the episode here, but what are some that you kind of regularly tune into? Um, my current favorite show is Mystery Show, and that's... Uh, that's from Gimlet. Uh, it was the last show that they released. And I'm just like, I love it so much. It's like audio candy for me. And it's uh, produced by Starly Kine, who was a longtime producer for This American Life. And she's she just has this really unique voice and this really unique way of telling stories. And if you haven't heard it, the conceit of Mystery Show is that she solves mysteries that you can't Google the answers to. And there, I think each show is about an hour long and she just like explores every avenue of answering, like finding out this mystery. For example, the first one was one of her friends rented a video from a video store and the next day when she went to return it, it was gone. Like what happened? Like the video store was just disappeared. Oh, the video, oh, never, the video yeah. Yeah, she never knew the answer, like, where do I return this video? Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's the story, like, finding the answer is just a way to sort of show, like, how we operate now in the world. And there's, she, there's one part where she calls a customer service representative to answer, like, a simple question, um, and then she just gets into this long conversation about like why he doesn't feel like he deserves a girlfriend or something. And it's just like, it's such a beautiful moment and something that you would never be able to hear on the radio because some editor would be like, yeah, I don't understand how this serves the story, <laughs> but, but it's, it, it just creates this like really magical moment and takes you to unexpected places. So I really love that. Yeah, I've resisted listening just because I knew it was probably going to be a good show. And I was like, I don't want to be inspired to try and <laughs> do another as a podcast producer. As a listener, I love just any new show. But I was like, I know it's probably going to be really good and really interesting. And I need to wait until I finish. It's kind of like what you do with Netflix where like, I can't start oh, yeah. a, a new show until I finish these other ones and get. But I mean, the shows will never end. That's a, that's the blessing and the curse, I guess, of podcasts often is that they just don't stop and until they die, I guess, or disappear. Yeah, I I just recommended it to a friend who binged on it in one night. <laughs> All five episodes. Yeah. yeah. Five hours of mystery show exists right now. <laughs> All right. What else? Any others that you're listening to? These um, days I really love First Day Back, and that's a serialized podcast about a documentary filmmaker in Montreal returning to her career after six years of maternity leave. And as a new mom, I relate to that a lot. And it, it's we hear a lot of discussions about, you know, women in the workplace and like, can women have it all? And I, I just feel like by this woman telling her own story, like it really teases out a lot of these issues in real time um, in a way that's more interesting than just reading article and after article about 
women and families. So it, it's a great show, and it's also an independent producer. Um, awesome. Let's see, and I I want to give a little shout out to the other. Uh, podcast that I helped produce. Um, the one that I helped get set up is called Human Current, and that's a podcast about complexity, um, talking about just the different ways that complex systems work in the workplace and beyond. Uh, it's sort of a niche topic, but if you're into complex complexity or chaos theory or anything like that, it's great, and it just started. And I also help produce... Um, the Science and Creativity series for Studio 360, which is a public radio show from WNYC. So I, I'm always pitching them ideas, always looking for art and science and culture stories. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Some great shows, both like definitely out of the obviously, as I ask folks for lists of or podcasts they listen to, and, and there's some very common ones that come up, but it's great to have some that are outside of the more common shows, which kind of suits what we talked about at the beginning of whether it was this episode or the earlier episode, depending on how I decide to edit this, um, you know, just getting other shows a bit of exposure and awareness that uh, they wouldn't otherwise be able to get because it's hard to, there's only so many shows that get featured in iTunes, et cetera. So. I know. And that's why we need a new platform. <laughs> exactly. It's easier to find shows. I mean, I don't think that that will ever be solved. Like people still ask like, what do you what do you watch on Netflix? Like we always want sort of the word of mouth from people, but that uh, it's hard to go beyond that like top one hundred podcasts, uh, and hard to, harder to find them in iTunes than it should be. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, this is step one, or maybe step ten. Who knows of of our work towards the new <laughs> the new things that we'll be using. Oh, what apps do you use to listen to your podcast with these days? I hate to say that I listen to, uh, I use the uh, Apple's app. I hate it so much. (laughs) It's like so messed up and I can't figure out. It like duplicated uh, the broad experience and brains on like 20 times. And so I have to scroll by them to get to my podcast, Uh, any other podcast. Uh, but it's just I used to listen to Stitcher and then I switched to a phone plan that had limited data and so I had to start downloading and it's just inertia that I don't know what I really should be listening on. (laughs) It is funny because a lot of podcasters who like who they themselves are podcasters obviously on this show kind of like yeah are reluctant to admit they use the official Apple podcast app especially like back in the day it was really bad it's again it's one of those things where it's gotten better but it still isn't amazing and obviously in your case it's having some serious issues so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, and but, I yeah. don't know how to um, manage those new episodes, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm still looking for a better platform, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll throw my vote in. My player choice is Pocket Cast for iPhone or Android. I really like it, but it, again, it's one of those things where it, you almost need something that suits your brains. And like, I've tried other ones. Why uh, um, my my brain is farting today on. <laughs> trying to recall stuff but uh overcast and downcast and uh, casts all over the place but pocket cast was the first one that kind of like clicked with me for some reason with the way they do their sort of on-demand playlist thing that made sense to me anyways and really worked the way i liked it but everybody's different uh ultimately obviously and to each their own so 
Right. Yeah, and I think there's some inertia in switching over, and that I'll have to like set up my new list of yeah. favorite podcasts again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in uh, wrapping up this episode, these episodes with you, I'm going to just say now that I did do two, uh, and we'll just decide that right now. Um, we split it into two episodes, but so where can folks find you, follow you, and listen to more of you? <laughs> so my Twitter is underscore Lindsay P. Um, the Tumble podcast is both on SoundCloud and to see everything that we have, it, um, go to our website, which is www.tumblepodcast.com. Um, we also have a Facebook page where we're trying to curate more kids science content um, so that, you know, we're trying to create a community where anybody interested in you know, science multimedia for kids can find interesting stuff that they can share. Cool. What's the, do you know what the URL on Facebook is or is it, it'll be on the page. That is facebook.com slash the tumble podcast. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks Lindsay for coming on. And, uh, I, I think definitely, especially if there is feedback that people send in comments and stuff, like I mentioned on our subreddit, you can go there and leave comments, but either way, I think it'd be fun to, come back and chat again in a few months or whatever time it warrants to see where if anything has changed yeah <laughs> i would love thing. to i would love to yes i intend to start my campaign for the youtuber <laughs> podcast there and you i'll go. be following i'm i intend to follow up on that article too yeah the you had on medium and i think i saw it on your own personal blog or tumblr or whatever as well um which folks will find in the in the show notes but yeah definitely uh follow her on medium and i'm sure you'll that's where you'd probably post it eventually as well and, uh, and yeah, engage, I think the medium is an interesting platform uh, as a, an example, I guess, where you don't have to post, post your stuff exclusively there, but it does allow for just different kinds of engagement and, and a sort of a central hub for a commenting and highlighting and, and stuff like that. It's, uh, yeah. Interesting, yeah. I'd also love if they monetize that and pay writers. That was great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and, uh, like I mentioned earlier in our, the subreddit here on good stuff in the show me your mic post, there'll be a, again, a link in the show notes, but you can f- submit other podcasters and people that you think should be on the show. Um, or you'd like to see me try and get on the show anyways, and can't guarantee that they'll say yes, but maybe they will. Um, and, uh, my thanks to our sponsor for this episode, feed press who do handle all the great hosting, for all the shows, all the great shows on goodstuff.fm. And uh, and also, if you'd like to support me more directly with my podcasting efforts as we figure our way through this world of um, podcasting, you can do so on my Patreon, patreon.com slash iChris. So you can support me there. I've, I'm on Twitter, iChris on Twitter. Show Me Your Mic has his own Twitter account, smym underscore fm. And you can always email me, chris at goodstuff.fm. I think that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.